right. We are live. Hello. Hi and welcome. Laura, you want to yes. introduce everybody? And I will. Hi and welcome. From I'm out here um, about 45 minutes south of Portland, Oregon. Uh, my name is Laura Ketty. I'm one of these students. I'm a Katasi shaman and one of Kay Cradell Whitaker's Katasi students for about well, I guess we're heading towards six years now <laughs> for, oh, no, seven. Whoops, I lost a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> uh, we're here today also with uh, Helmut Warner Whitaker, mouthful today. He's our super tech guy and also one of our teachers and one of Kay's longest students and happens to be husband. And of course, we're here today with the amazing Kay Cradell Whitaker, the author of The Reluctant Shaman. The reason I tracked her down <laughs> and started studying with her years ago. Um, and she is the keeper of the the grandmother and the keeper of the Katasi practice in the here in the modern world for us. Um, and she's here today um, to help um, navigate some language with our very special guest, Wendy Nielsen, a new student. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> a new student to Katasi who's kind of jumped in um, both feet in. I think she's only been here with us about five months or so, but uh, kind of jumped in and going for the deep end, not even paddling, full dive. <laughs> so <laughs> she's joined us here. And today's kind of a, a new kind of form of talk for us that um, Helmet, Helmet will go over today's subject with us. But um, thank you all for being here with us all. And um, I'm I, I can tell you this topic's going to be juicy, very juicy. <laughs> excited. Uh, thank you. We are all very excited about this. And this is going to be a talk about vulnerability. And I had a chat with Wendy, and she was talking about a talk that she was putting together. And she mentioned that a big part of it is about being vulnerable. And I started to talk a little bit with her about what that kind of means for us and that we don't quite go along with the commonly accepted version of it. And so we ended up organizing this talk and Wendy, go, go start with your, with your intro and questions. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So vulnerability is quite a large topic in my line of work. I'm a life coach and started coaching about three years ago. And I think every coach I've ever listened to talks about vulnerability and the importance of just putting yourself out there and being available or just being open to failing faster kind of thing. Um, there's a really popular YouTube video out there that's been viewed millions of times, like I think, you know, over a hundred million times about vulnerability. And I was just listening to that YouTube talk again today and just kind of reminding myself, you know, what kind of things that I started learning three years ago and have been teaching my clients ever since. And now I'm feeling a bit of, um, 
like I don't really want to teach it that way anymore. So I'm so grateful that I can start getting new perspective on this topic. So what she teaches is that vulnerability is the core of shame and fear and struggle for worthiness. And, but it also appears to be the birthplace of joy, love, creativity, and belonging. And what I've learned about, what I've learned about vulnerability is in order for connection to happen, we have to be, have to allow ourselves to be seen, which means being super open with our feelings and emotions, expressing ourselves, you know, letting our hearts just tear open and say, you know, this is my deepest um, emotions and I'm going to let you see inside of those emotions and create connection out of that because connection really is my number one desire to create um, a tr trust and connection with everyone around me. And so, of course, vulnerability is, has been an, uh, an important um, teaching or understanding. And along the way with um, learning how vulnerability works in my life hasn't really worked that well. Um, so the, the uh, teaching around birthplace of joy, love, creativity, and belonging hasn't really worked out for me. And so it's felt very frustrating and actually has caused, caused more disconnect than connection. And I didn't really, you know, I just had to sit back and think about this when I was creating this talk because I wanted to relay some authenticity, some personal stories about vulnerability. And I couldn't really tell, say in my talk that it has created creativity and belonging and joy. It's actually created more frustration, disconnect and arguments. And um, I find that in my personal life with using um, empathy and vulnerability to try, to try to create connection in my, in my personal relationship as well as with my um, clients, that it gets very confusing. So if you don't mind, I'd like to just read a few um, paragraphs from my talk. Um, just so that you can kind of know where I'm going with this. And maybe you can kind of see if you can see some resonance in, in maybe what you, the viewer might be, you know, they can connect with some of the things that I, I've um, learned myself. So, um, so part of my talk is just basically, I'll just read through it a little bit that, um, I feel that empathy is a spiritual gift and that everyone, that everyone has access, access to. But for some reason, when we use empathy as a way to force other, others to, into thinking they need to be vulnerable to in order to connect. And to most people, sharing, sharing or being vulnerable and having and sharing deeper understanding, love, and connection. So in other words, if you understand me and you hear me, and then that means I feel loved. And if your partner can't understand feelings, then they don't know who, they don't know you, right? 
So if they don't understand you and they don't hear you, then how do they know you? And if they don't know you, then how can you connect with them on a deeper level, right? And how, if you can't connect on a deeper level, how do you truly love each other? Um, how do you know? So if you don't feel like you can trust your partner to be vulnerable with them, um, if you don't feel like you can be vulnerable with them, then how do you know if, how do you know if they love you? And after all, um, you know, we want trust and respect in our relationships. And to me in the past, vulnerability creates trust, trust and respect, you know, you respect my feelings and I can trust you with my feelings. But then on the other hand, I found that, you know, on the, on the other opposing side of this whole aspect is that the person um, that you're talking to or sharing being vulnerable with that, that person feels kind of trapped and they, they're just like, I don't know what to say. And usually what happens is like, no matter what I say is wrong thing. Right. So they just say nothing. And then when they say nothing, it's like, well, why don't you care? Why, why can't you just listen to me? Why can't you share your feelings with me? And it, this, it just kind of goes down a rabbit hole. And, um, so anyways, the point of this is that that rabbit hole doesn't create connection, right? It creates frustration and some anger and proving. And it's like, you did this, you did that. Um, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? And you're proving all, you know, I'm, you're not enough. I'm not enough. Just a mess. It's just a mess. <laughs> and so really what I want to teach is... Um, I want to teach and I want to bring, have clear understanding about vulnerability that you don't have to use vulnerability to connect because really what it's doing is disconnecting and in a way to connect through love without rules, without conditions, basically unconditional love, right? That's basically what I want to teach is unconditional love. So, okay, if you can, like, just speak about um, why this rabbit hole, like, why vulnerability takes us down this rabbit hole. Why, why do we think vulnerability creates connection? I mean, I was totally blown away by that whole thought in the first place. And so I'd love to hear you talk about that more. All right. I would love to. Thank you. Um, that, was a, that was a good description. And I most hope it makes of us, sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Most of the people in the modern culture uh, feel exactly the way you do. They they're very frustrated. They don't understand why they're they're not connecting. Why people don't understand them? Why they don't understand somebody else? Why there's this constant, repeated. Uh, lack of communication. You speak and they hear something totally different and they speak and you're hearing what they're, something they're not intending and, and off you go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> most of the people in our, our modern culture, which means uh, most of the people on our whole planet are asleep. In their consciousness, in their awareness, this is the description that's made by 
um, the Egyptian, the ancient Egyptians, and it's made by the uh, the Hedekas of Peru. People are fogged out; they're numbed out, and and, and we learn it's a learned behavior, and we learn it from the time we're born. We're being taught how to be asleep, how to be numb, how to be disconnected, how to be disconnected in such a way that we misuse our naturally giving, given empathy. We have a, a telepathic gift, a talent that we refer to as empathy. And on the one hand, our culture says it doesn't exist uh, and it denies the existence So we try to turn our head away from that, pretending that it doesn't exist. And on the other hand, we're taught to empathize very deeply and in ways that are extremely unhealthy for ourselves. To empathize in a way where we are literally Xeroxing what's going on with the other person and we play it like a movie inside of ourselves. 3D, full full senses, full feeling movie inside of ourselves. And that what we do with that is we take it on, where we have no clue it started with somebody else. And we take it on and we make it our own. A good example is uh, you go into a room full of people and uh, a party of some kind, get together and everybody's talking and milling around. And um, one person there in the room um, is coming down with a stomach flu. And they're feeling really tired and raunchy and nauseated and headachey. And um, they don't want to have to communicate with anybody. They're, just, they're feeling really bad. And if you connect in that way, if you empathize with them in the way of the, you learned in the culture, you Xerox it, you take it on in yourself and you feel it and you end up with the flu, whether the germ is in your body or not. You go through the entire experience of the flu for several days, throwing up and everything. That's, that's how we misuse that. We misidentify it. We don't understand what it is. And it becomes part of um, a big part of our communication problem. When we talk about vulnerability, there's a word that that gets misused and thrown around. My teachers, the Hedekas, um, they hated that word. I would say it all the time in the beginning when I was first studying with it. They had a list. They came up, they ended up with this list of what they called hot words. Words to avoid because they're so totally misused in our culture and they get misused in a way that it it creates uh, a lack of understanding, confusion, irritability, distrust, blame, all that stuff. And we're taught to go to those places. That's part of being asleep. 
that's what in the Hedekas tradition, that's what we call learning how to uh, think and be and feel and take action with masks. The, this That's the word that the Hedekas used because it's something that we put on and take off and put on and take off. We make many, many masks in our culture, one for each, each kind of occasion. And we're really busy habitually putting them on at the right time and the right place so that we're appropriate. This is how we behave when we're being appropriate in this situation. And then we, we leave that, we go to another thing, we go to our parents' house, and we put on this mask in order to interact appropriately and properly with our parents and with family. And we got a mask for everything, for every occasion, and it's all automatic pilot. We do, we're not being awake. We're not being conscious. We're not consciously choosing. We're running on automatic pilot. And all the little steps about this automatic pilot, um, it's all part of that program when you put the mask on and the, you push the button, automatic pilot. All the responses, they're all pre-programmed. And, and we live our whole lives that way totally pre-programmed. So as you're talking about your conversations with vulnerability, and um, for instance, somebody cl really close to you, and you're trying to get uh, a clearer communication, a deeper communication, something um, a little more authentic, a little more real, and letting, you know, letting your, what's deep inside you just kind of hang out a bit. Well, hanging out like that, letting the true self, true feelings, true thoughts hang out, um, that's not allowed in our culture. To, to be authentic is, is uh, frowned upon in, in a really big way. So... We, we have a lot of different mask activities and automatic pilot responses that kick in when we get into these situations, we get into these conversations and we're trying to make something happen. We're trying to make a difference and we really want. There's a big piece of us deep inside in our heart, in our song, our spirit really wants to connect. They want real connection. They're starving. People in our modern culture are literally, literally starving for true connection. And so we, we try. We think maybe we have a clue. And so we'll try it out. And it doesn't work because both people are still asleep. They're still running on, <clears throat> on their masks on automatic pilot. And they can't see it. They can't see it that way. And all these masks, they're, they're created, their foundation is fear and anger and low self-esteem. And we're taught that. This is, this is all learned behavior. It's blind beliefs. 
blind beliefs about you yourself and about who the other person is. Because we learn how to make pictures, blind belief pictures about our own self, who we really are, who we're supposed to be. We make these pictures about the other person and who they're supposed to be, who we want them to be, who we expect them to be. And they never can. They never, it's not who they really are. It's not what they really are. It's probably not even what all their masks are. So they can't live up to it. You can't live up to their pictures. It's not who you really are. It's not who you want to be. And these pretend interaction conversations, pre-programmed, this isn't what we want. Deep inside, in the truth of ourselves, what we want is, is real. Real connection, real conversations. And the word vulnerable, um, if you really look at it and you really feel it, all words have a thought form. They create a thought form. People are creating this, these thought forms and adding to them about the definitions of these words. And we've used that word for several hundred years now in a lot of different cultures and it gets translated into different languages, but it kind of all goes into the same thought form pot. And every time we use that word or we're thinking about the meaning of that word, we're hooking into the thought form. We literally tether, we hook right in and we learn about what's in there in the thought form and and we feel what's in the thought form and it just adds to all of our blind beliefs and our behavior. So every single time that we're engaging any word, any concept, there's a thought form that goes with it and we're tying into that thought form and it informs us about what... what society says the word means and how you should use it, how you should behave with this word. And the history of that word, its actual use, it comes from things that are violent, confrontational, violent, warfare, confrontations that are deceptive on purpose. Trying to uh, figure out how to win at somebody else's expense. Somebody else ends up being vulnerable and they get used used, abused, they get conned. This is, this is the base, this is the history of this word. And it's, it's kind of the, the core level of the meaning of this word, to be vulnerable. 
is to put yourself in a place where you can be attacked, be hurt, be literally kind of gunned down in, in many different ways, to be tricked, to not be seen as who you actually are, no feelings of caring or truth coming your way to you. It's all about somebody else winning at your expense and you're somehow open to it. Now that that is not a word that is helpful in any way, shape, or form to help describe or teach others about how to really connect. Everybody is starving for connection. You could have a, a mate, a marriage partner, lots of friends that you consider close friends. You, a lot of kids, maybe, a lot of siblings, parents, a lot of people around you, maybe a lot of people at your workplace. You'd be surrounded with all kinds of different people and relationships. And still, we don't feel a real connection there. Uh, what we're looking for, what we're our heart, our song is craving uh, a connection that actually where people are touching spirit to spirit, song to song, heart to heart. Their energies are touching and mingling, sharing in a caring, loving, giving, and receiving way with no, no actions or responses that are hurtful. It's all about the giving, true caring, true sharing, true loving from your heart, song to song. That's a Hedica phrase. And they mean it for real. <laughs> song to song, heart to heart. That's what we crave. That's what we're designed for. And our culture has been in this upside down, backwards state for many thousands of years. Many thousands of years. And with each century the experiencing of this asleepness has, has gotten more intense and more thorough. The backwards, upside-down turning wheel of the, of the culture and the nature of our culture and what the, we teach uh, the people in the culture and the babies coming up, growing up in the culture. We're teaching everything that's backwards and upside-down, dis connectedness that's what we're teaching when you're disconnected you don't know who or what you are you don't know who or what the other is you don't know what their intentions are 
And for thousands of years, we've been having an awful lot of people around us who don't have very good intentions. If they think they have an opportunity to do something nasty to you, take advantage of you, you know, maybe get some money out of you or some property or time or something that you wouldn't otherwise willingly decide to give them. Uh, there are people out there who, who do that. They, they take like that. They take, they're violent. This um, condition, these surroundings, uh, our culture demands disconnectedness, separateness. It demands that we turn off all of our spiritual energies and activities and awareness, all of our psychic awareness, except for little bits like the empathy where we're taught how to misuse it. That becomes very convenient for a culture that um, wants to dominate the way you think and the way you feel. And ultimately, um, that turns into, for them, what you decide to buy, what you spend your money on. So we're trained. We're trained to, to be vulnerable in those ways, those very, very negative ways. It's a negative word. It's a violent word. And it has nothing to do with being able to wake up out of this this deep spiritual slumber that we've been in. It doesn't have anything do, to do with learning how to connect to the others around us, the people, the animals, the plants, the land, the soil, rocks, water, trees, the air, the wind, the rain, our planet. We're designed to be deeply connected to all of that. And in reality, we actually are. The connection never really goes away. We just ignore it. We shut the door to it. We totally ignore that we are actually connected. And all this love, all this information, all this life energies, everything passes back and forth between us all. Dirt, plants, animals, people, everything. The, com the communication is flowing. But we're so blinded to all of it because of how we learned how to grow up how to be asleep. Being asleep, staying asleep is a really painful event. It makes for a really painful life. And when it comes to trying to really interact and get clear communication and, and become, you know, 
deep, true song-to-song lovers with others. Uh, This culture can't do anything for you. This sleepness, the the training that we have gone through doesn't do anything but make you more separated and have more fear and more frustration and irritability and anger and resentment. Uh, That list goes on and on, negative emotions. So (coughs) what (coughs) what the Hanukkahs say is that uh, if we really want to learn how to connect, how to how to be able to be open to others in a good and healthy way, without hurting yourself, without making yourself sick, without hurting the other, and with having equality and fairness and kindness and true unconditional love shared between you. That the first thing you have to do is to look inside yourself to find out who you are. It's pretty hard to share who you really are with someone else if you don't know who you are yourself. This is the task that they call learning learning your song, learning to know your song. And that word song that they use, they mean uh, spirit or soul, the beingness, the aliveness, you you as an entity. This is the part of you that um, lives for eternity. It's been around for eternity already. And it just goes from one um, living body experience to another uh, in all kinds of different forms, taking form as a, having a lifetime in that form. That's the form. You know, your human body is going to get older and fall apart and be gone. But the real you is still there and always will be and always has been. And that's what they call your song. That's who you actually truly are. And that's that's what your heart is. That's where your heart is. That's what all of your emotions um, pour out of. All of the emotional experience. That's what it's coming from. And so they do a song ceremony, how to find your song. And in their tribe, they give this song ceremony to little teeny kids. I mean, they're just starting to to walk and run around. And they, they get taught about their first song and they have their first song ceremonies. And this is a, a primitive living people. Um, they do a lot of ceremonies of all different types uh, you know, it's a big piece of their lifestyle. And every single one of these ceremonies starts with a song ceremony. They start their day with a song ceremony. When, when we do the song ceremony, 
we're, we're learning how to control our attention and aim it and aim it into feeling the truth of ourselves, what it feels like, because it's a feeling experience. You can't learn it like something um, intellectual. It's not an intellectual thing to try to understand. It's a feeling experience. And all spiritual activities are feeling experiences. That's how we learn um, what we learn in ceremony, in, in spiritual activities. It's, all, it's through feeling experience, which includes emotions, but it includes other levels of feeling as well. And the feeling of who you are. What does that feel like? Then we have a whole ceremony, that the song ceremony that, that we teach our students. That's the first thing that they get taught. And we do it over and over and over, just like the Hedekas. And we learn more and more about who and, and what we actually are with every ceremony, every time we do it. Doing this gives you tools to, to have something to start with, have something to share. And when, when we can feel our own song and we have that, that sense, um, an experiential sense of who we are on the deepest, deepest spiritual heart level, feeling, emotional level, that's where we start. That's what you start from. And you share it. When we know our song, we we understand that um, we don't need to have all these barriers and and big protections from bad energies or bad people or bad experiences. We don't need to create energetic steel armor to cover ourselves to try to protect us from somebody else's bad thoughts and energies. And a lot of traditions teach you how to do that, how to make armor, more armor and more armor. And all it does is cut you off from experiencing your connectedness to yourself and your connectedness to the people around you and everything else that's around you. So letting those um, steel walls melt away and knowing yourself, knowing who you are and what you're showing, we know that from the core from the inside, the deepest inside of our hearts and our core. We know who we are. And if we decide to to let the armor melt away, we don't need it anymore. And let that shine out, radiate out who you are, the love that your song is and creates and wants to give and share out with somebody else. Maybe it's your lover It, it flows out. There's no fear because 
you know the truth of who you are and that's full of love and there's nothing to be afraid of. If the other person can't receive it or they can't understand it and they're still very asleep, they don't know who they are, they're probably going to respond in a masky way with some kind of automatic pilot response. But when you know your song, you know that that exists. And you don't expect or demand anything different. This is all they can do in the moment. That's, this is all they can do. That's it. That's, that's what they've learned. And that's what they know how to do. And it's okay. And it's not, uh, it's not pointing a finger damning you. It's not diminishing you. It's not belittling you. And it's not threatening you. All the people out there, all the other things that are alive and everything's alive that we're connected to, you can show yourself and share yourself with full unconditional love. Just let it pour out. And it's all, it's the real, the real, real, the real you from inside. And it's just, it's your aliveness with all the energy and the truth of who you are. It just pours out. It showers them. It soaks in, even if they don't know it. And you get to share. You get to give. And you can feel them. And you can see what they're attempting to share with you. And you can understand that they're very asleep. And this is, this is the best they can do in this moment. And that's good. It's okay. And the, there's no, there aren't any problems in that way of interacting. There's no hindrances. No matter what, what kind of shields they have up and what they're trying to guard themselves from, true love and true energy is it's pouring through our connections to everybody, everything all the time anyway. And it's coming from the things that are alive out there in our world, from our sun, from earth, the sky, the trees, the land, the waters, all the animals, all the bugs. <laughs> it's coming from everything. These stars out there. And we're receiving it. We can learn how to receive a whole lot more when we start to know who we are when we're awake. And the who and what everything else out there is starts being visible to you. And feeling, you can feel it. You can feel it with all your senses and your spirit senses. And the complexity and the beauty, the extraordinariness and the, the amount of pure unconditional love that pours out of everything to you and to everybody else too. And But you know it and, and you can consciously receive it, which allows you to receive a whole lot more. Very loving and very healing, very... 
um, nourishing, teaching. This is what we're designed to do. And as you do this, it, and you're you're giving this out, and the person is still asleep, then it's got to be okay because that's that's just where they are. In the Hedekas teachings and the pre-dynastic Egyptian teachings, unconditional love, true unconditional love, is what is coming from everything that's alive out there, from, from your own song and your own heart. True, unconditional love. Absolutely no conditions on that love. No matter what it is that you do in life, that tree out there that you see every day loves you and is giving love and accepts you for who and what you are and even accepts all of your programming and the sleepless and all your masks and, and whatever bad behavior you manage to do, it's accepted. And that means that they accept that it's it's what is. It doesn't mean they approve. Acceptance, unconditional acceptance, unconditional love doesn't mean you approve bad behaviors. But you accept their existence as it is today in the world that it is today. And you let your love pour out to everything and everybody even those politicians that you, uh, you know, have been saying all those bad things about. And <laughs> they're, doing, they're doing what they do. And they're probably asleep and they're probably on automatic pilot. And what they're doing probably has a lot to do with their purpose in their life in this lifetime, which is a sacred task. Even if it is to stay asleep and do a whole lot of masky things and make masky decisions in their political chair, it's still part of their purpose in life, and that makes it sacred. So when when we look at the ancient teachings, they they say to learn who you are and what you are, and. Feel the love that's in there. Your song is made out of love. It's pure love. And that it love's radiating out in all directions, all dimensions, all the time. And it always has been for eons. And it always will. And everything else out there is radiating out this absolutely pure, unconditional love. That's what they're... Everything is built from. It's designed out of, it grows out of this unconditional love. It's a very big piece of who and what we really are and who and what everything else really is. So when you learn to know yourself, you start to know and experience that. You learn it from the experience of it. And you can offer it so easily and so willingly that it just pours out of you to everybody and accepting exactly who they are. And when you when you offer this, 
even though that person might still be, you know, asleep or half asleep, uh, still running on that masky autopilot, maybe not 24 hours a day, but at least some. And you see that, you understand it, you accept it. You don't diminish it. You don't blame it. You don't point fingers. You don't point negative energy. You just give love and communicate with the love and the clarity that the love brings. And it sinks into people, sinks into their their energy field and their physical body and their molecules. And it sinks into their song, their beingness. And it teaches them and it changes them. And little by little, they begin to wake up. Even if it's not on purpose on their part, because of the energies that they received and continue to receive, it softens them, it teaches them, it it starts to crack open the box they've been living in And they start to see and feel and experience things that are outside of that box that they used to be trapped in. Vulnerability belongs to the old world, the one that's dying away, the backwards turning wheel. It's everything about the whole culture is upside down and backwards. And it has everything to do with being shut off, disconnected. Has everything to do with negative emotions instead of trying to feel the love that's there. It shuts out the love. Shuts it down everywhere it can. Everything that is of a spiritual nature within ourselves, within the world, around us, within others. It's taboo. It gets shunned. It gets shut down, turned away from, diminished, ridiculed, made made the devil. <laughs> so that's why the Hedekas made that Um, a hot word, a word to avoid and to learn from why that word is so dysfunctional. In other words, they they ended up, um, you know, because of my use of English language and they didn't have that, a really great use of English language. So I would talk and just talk normal for me and be using all these these words that, um, and then I'd, sometimes I'd have to explain them and try to, you know, get them to understand and um, feel through me what, what that word is. And, uh-oh, there's another hot word. <laughs> there's another word to avoid. <laughs> To, to learn from, it's being totally misused in our culture. Totally, um, it's a word that defines behaviors that 
keep us asleep and keep us separated and and keep us uh, doubting ourselves and fearing everything and everybody else doubting everybody and and being suspicious and guarding ourselves from everybody, even those closest to us. So that's what the Hedekas and the pre-dynastic Egyptians have to say about vulnerability, vulnerable, and what it, what that, those behaviors mean and do. I have a huge lump in my throat. (laughs) Be, you know, feel free. Share your thoughts and your feelings. Yeah, earlier before we started, I I told you, there's a voice I have to share and it's like all this talk is like lumping up right here. Um. So no wonder I feel drawn to this subject, right? Because I need, I want this to open up here. <laughs> and it's like, ugh, I feel choked right now. So um, obviously, I mean, that tells me that the vulnerability is hanging out right here and making me feel choked up. Just, I'm, and it's pushing the tears out of my eyes. <laughs> so um, that, that whole the whole notion of like, I don't have to be heartbroken to find love, you know, for some reason brings out like all this, all these deep, like, (sighs) Whoa, that's so nice to know. As human beings, um, we need love. We need love to uh, come our way. Somebody purposefully sharing love and it's coming our way. But even more important than that and deeper is we need to have somebody, something to love. The more, the better. We need to be giving our love to somebody, a person or several people, lots of people, um, the animals, the plants, trees, the land the soil, the water. When we're living in this upside down and backwards culture, asleep, we're holding back love and caring from everything that's around us. And that that's not just our mate or our best friends or our family members. We're holding back love and I'm talking about real love that has zero conditions, real, real unconditional love. We're holding back on sharing that with plants and animals, trees, the, the soil, the dirt. Look what we've done to the soil on the planet. And it's a real bad thing. It's a real dangerous thing because it could mean we could starve to death if we don't have soil to grow plants and plants for the animals to eat. Um, all that cycle. We're, 
we're not giving any love to the water. And you get to look around and see what we've done to the water, the oceans, the the clear water, and the air, the skies. We're not sharing our love. We're not letting it pour out. And it is a spiritual need. It's a biological need to give love. Lots, free, absolutely free and no conditions. Just give lots of love and adoration and gratitude. Gratitude and thanks is a form of unconditional love. And we learn how to not really give any of that. We have learned how to be polite at the right circumstances and say thank you in a polite way. Because that is a good automatic pilot response at the right time. But the really the real feeling, the real feeling of of the love, the real thanks and love pouring out, we're not taught that. We're literally taught the opposite. That actually fits right into another part of my talk that I was writing about how I didn't realize I was blocking love, blocking it, not letting it in, not giving it for so long. So that's actually was very fitting for another part of uh, what I'm writing about. So really applicable. Everybody in the, the asleep modern culture learns how to block love from coming into them and block it from coming into their space. And it's, it's a big step. It's a big awakening step to realize, to actually feel, experience that you're doing that. That you're doing that. And... You stop anything from coming out. Try not to send it out, to share it out. Because it feels too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Feels vulnerable. <laughs> it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so scary. <laughs> but it doesn't, doesn't have to be. And I'm learning that, so... Uh, the more I'm in my song, I'm learning that I don't have to have, wear those, uh, the armor that I was told as a child that I need to put it on. Make sure you keep yourself safe. So it's nice to not have to wear it. <sighs> it's heavy and it takes mm-hmm. energy. Living in that backwards turning wheel, asleep, masky way, it takes a huge amount of energy to do that. Constant. And it's 24 hours. We don't turn it off just because we went to sleep. 24 hours a day. Spend a lot of energy doing that. And as you wake up, you reclaim more and more and more of that energy. A lot of it 
expresses physically. You feel it in your physical body and your physical health. And it expresses in your emotional health, your spiritual health, your mind, your mental health, your ability to be able to think clearly. It it helps all of it, feeds feeds you. Thank you. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Mm. Feelings? Well, yeah, you can tell I'm feeling a lot, but uh, yeah, I teach people how to connect what they're stuck on, where, how to identify their stuck emotions, where they're holding it in their body. So when I give them a massage, then I can help them, you know, acknowledge it. And so they can let it go. And right now I'm having, I'm, I'm feeling it at the top of my neck right here. You know, it shifted from here <laughs> to right here. So it's just, it's just really, I'm just, I'm super aware of where I hold energetic emotions. And um, so it's really interesting to me to follow, follow the energy as you speak. And uh, now I need a massage right here. (laughs) So, but no, I can work it out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's just because, I mean, it's all very, really cool, um, eye-opening, and actually, it's just like really relaxing. I can I can take a nap whenever I hear you speak, Kay, because <laughs> you help me relax so much. <laughs> then and then I can have all this energy. It comes back in. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about all those things, and I, I feel lighter. So. That's how I feel right now. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this is really good. I think that's all I have. All that I have right now. All right. Laura and Helmut, thoughts, feelings? Lots of thoughts. Lots of feelings. I know. You taught me. Yeah. Go ahead, Laura. Oh, no, go ahead. I'll go next. <laughs> you taught me early on about vulnerability, and I've always been uh, kind of aware and conscious oh, of I it. I can't hear you. Um, I don't know why. Can everybody else hear me? I hear you. Yeah, I can yeah. hear you. Okay, that's on your phone then. Shoot. Um, you wanna you wanna test your volume or anything? Can you hear me, Wendy? Yeah. Hmm. I can't helmet seal and when I can't hear. I guess it's not meant for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm gonna move on so we we continue with the with the thing. Maybe lock back in, but you're not hearing me. So Laura, you wanna tell her to lock back in and try that? 
Hey, Wendy, if you log out and maybe log back in, we promise not to have too much juicy stuff, but <laughs> you might pick up helmet then. Um, okay. So, Oops. I had one thought. Do you want me to wait? <laughs> or I could hold my thought if you would like to go to the questions. I wanted to share that. Um, okay. There, that helped. Good. Yeah. That you have taught me about vulnerability and what the kind of what it means. But back then it was, I didn't have that much of an understanding, but I have been suspicious of it ever since. And over the years, more and more observing that it's being used to keep us asleep, to keep people asleep, that it's being used so heavily and pushed so heavily in the, in the spiritual groups and spiritual world to keep people asleep, to keep them confused, to keep them giving the power away. And my question has become more and more, how much of that is conscious and how much of that is unconscious? Like, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You're asking me the question? I am. All right. <laughs> Yes, um, the thing with the hot words and vulnerability is definitely right there, the top part of the list for hot words. They have you giving your power away. It's an excellent, excellent point. Very, very concisely said. All taking a lot of all the other thoughts and ideas, and and. Uh, the bottom line, it equals, uh, you're throwing your power away. You're letting somebody else take your power away. And that's, uh, that just kind of says it all. In, in Katasi, in, in the pre-dynastic Egyptian teachings, you don't want to do things that where you it causes you to give your power away. You don't want to be putting yourself in a position where others can take your power away. And they take it because you're allowing it. You give it. And the circumstances that that come along with the word vulnerable and vulnerability, it's... You're losing, you're throwing away your power and you're throwing away your song. That's the opposite of, of um, where we need to go, where we're aiming, where we want to aim ourselves to go, to heal, to wake up, to make a difference. If you throw your power away, if you give your power away like this and, and allow yourself to be kind of, lulled into this vulnerable and and the confusion of it um you're doing the opposite people um disguise it with uh you're being sacred you're being um religious you're being spiritual big spiritual actions, 
to be vulnerable. And it's a, it's a lie. I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's a lie. And you, what you end up doing is just giving your power away and giving your song away. You're not acknowledging your own song or holding on to it, being it, identifying with it, knowing that that's the truth of who and what you are and letting it show and radiate out with its beauty and the love. You're doing the opposite. When we are living our song, we're being it, we're identifying ourselves with our song. That is a place of centeredness and that's a place of power. That's because in that centeredness, you, you are the, um, the one in the driver's seat of your song. You are the one in the driver's seat of your consciousness and your attention. And that's where all the power is. And you are the one directing, consciously, purposefully directing what your attention is aimed at, what you're thinking, what you're going to be feeling, how you're going to respond, your, your decision-making. You're the one in the driver's seat. And that means you're holding your own power. You're utilizing your own power, keeping your power. When we get thrown out of our driver's seat, we don't know who we are. We're not identifying with our song. We're throwing our power away. We're letting something else or somebody else define who we are, what we are. You're letting somebody else define what you should be thinking, what you should be feeling, how you should be reacting, that you should be in an asleep state, this, this cultural consciousness asleep state. So when we buy into this vulnerability bullshit, we're just perpetuating the old world. Exactly. So if you want to see a different world, do different. That's thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Kay. Okay. Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Helmut, for those thoughts. Because that's the nail on the head there. That's really good. Thank you for that. Laura, you got anything? Yeah, um, lots of it. <laughs> but in the trying to stay in the same vein of which we're talking, you know, coming from prior prior to Katasi, you would have called me highly empathic, um, and very much never liked the word vulnerable. And yet in some ways I was very much exposing myself, you know, 
but I could, I was very much didn't want to, that word always bothered me. Um, and I remember the first time Kay said, we, we, we don't do that here. <laughs> it, it took me years to stop the habit of empathing, absorbing, because it was such a way that I, um, understood how to communicate with people almost you know and and later found out i was really using it as a way to manipulate people you know as as good as i think my intentions were <laughs> i was using a lot of it to understand therefore to manipulate and in, it it was truly in the practice of katasi learning song it's just like how do you how do you communicate with anybody authentically if you don't know who the hell you are who who you are <laughs> I mean, it's, and I, I, I know my marriage, my relationships have all been better, that more authentic, deeper, knowing who I was. I didn't, and there's, there was no need by knowing who I was to expect them to communicate authentically. You know, it just, it, it didn't, it didn't matter as much. You know, but it's the other big step, I think, for me and, you know, song mask, but life energy, you know, going through the earth fire serpent ceremony that rebuilding my life energy, you know, getting to a healthier orc build, because that was part of some of the process. And I don't know um, of feeling like I needed to be guarded that nothing, it, it, um, and I think some of that is why the word vulnerable came because they, they just looked for the opposite of guarded. You know, if you're not guarded, like a, a wall, a warring country, you know, has a guarded wall, you know, the other warring country, con you know, conflict is looking for your vulnerability. And it, you know, like Kay said, it's a very negative thing to be vulnerable, to have an exposed area where people can attack. And that's exactly, I think all the triggers in me came up when anybody said I needed to be more vulnerable and communicate from a place of vulnerability. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. But there's been, um, through the process of Katasi, learning my song, you know, understanding the triggers that the masks didn't want, you know, have repairing by auric field. So it works better as a filter. <laughs> my, my father loves in a form of worry, you know, and I'd been very guarded to accept that kind of love, but it's through the process of all of this, I've learned how to kind of filter the worry out and not be exposed to it empathically, you know, what's coming and just accept the unconditional love that he has for me. Yeah, you know, it's through through this process, it's, you know, you don't have to do the empathic thing. You don't have to do the vulnerable thing. Thank God, I wouldn't have made it very far. <laughs> but it's, you know, everything you said, Wendy, about you know, your alarm's going off like this wasn't working. It's all very much your song. Yeah. 
saying, okay, yeah. we're done with that shit or stuff. Yeah. Man, what's going on with my yeah. poo-poo mouth today? <laughs> Everything's not working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, I love this topic. And the weird thing about how I responded to something's not working. It must be my husband's fault that this is not working. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. he would probably tell you the same thing. Oh yeah. She blow, blame me every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. It's, it, it's you. <laughs> Pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time Reg, uh, my husband mentioned to me that, um, that could be a mask. And then he was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that didn't go over too well, but <laughs> it, it, yeah. Oh, it's very, it's very funny. It's very funny on this end of it. I mean, when you're in the middle of it, you just want to kill him. Mm-hmm. But like being on this end of it is like, it's so funny. And I'm glad I can talk. I can laugh about it now. <laughs> so should we go over a couple of questions i think so there's some really good ones one um one is from bia uh that's about boundaries that in itself is another whole lot of talk i think but um okay let's see where we go with this i want to be open and loving no matter what but I discovered I need to hold some boundaries so I don't pick up other people's stuff. Can you discuss boundaries? Mm. Do we want to go into that or schedule a new talk on it? Um, quick answer. All right. There's different kinds of boundaries. Um, and when it comes to your own personal vulnerability and empathy um, that's on your side of the fence you're the one who needs to figure out how to not suck up and take inside yourself what's going on out there and, and going on with someone else that you're interacting with you don't have to accept it you don't have to let it uh, come sink into your field and your body and your mind and infect, literally infect you with those concepts and feelings. So as you are learning more about who you are, who you are and what you are, what you want in life, then you are creating uh, a boundary for not sucking up uh, other people's junk. That is a an internal action on your part. But there's also boundaries that we create with others uh, on a, a verbal and physical level, where you're you're putting. Um, you're putting up a rule, uh, a fence, uh, a way to try to. Mm, 
You're trying to manipulate and control your own environment around yourself and in yourself. And putting up a boundary to um, make certain actions of other people around you or towards you not accepted. And it beca- you know, they're trying to put up a rule that's not allowed anymore. That's, that's, uh, it steps into a whole nother, a much bigger realm uh, that we're not going to dive into here in this conversation. But boundaries are real healthy, real healthy. And they can fall into all kinds of different aspects of your life and the lives lives of others and the interactions um, between you and, and others so that you can design your world uh, in a way that you want. Hopefully it's headed towards more being awake and more song and knowing your own song and living in um, a song-centered, song-based life and creating your own world that is based on song energies, the needs and wants and desires and passions and creativity of your own song. And with all that love that comes with it, and um, all the things that you bring into this lifetime because you, your song, has been in so many places, so many places through the universe for so long, different times, different places, different, whole different things that you're doing and experiencing. And, and all of that is part of your song the experience of it, the memories of it, everything about it. You carry that with you. That's part of who and what you are. And we get to know more and more and more of that. The more we wake up, the more we know who we are. And we want our physical life in this lifetime and the surroundings around us to be part of that to reflect it and that's that's where those boundaries definitely come in into play if you don't have any boundaries with others uh, or even yourself you're giving your power away you're throwing away your song think about that feel that what What does that really mean? You're throwing away your song. Every time you mention this, it's like it's hurting. Yeah. It's extremely hurtful. But we're taught to do it in this culture. We're taught to give it it away, throw it away, hide it, deny it, disconnect from our own song. Obviously, it's an impossibility, but we can mentally create the uh, the illusion that we are disconnected from our own song. 
And we learn how to do that pretty young as a kid. It's uh, probably one of the most painful experiences of our life is to learn how to forget the experience of our own song, to forget who we are. And that's throwing it away. That's giving it away, giving the power of it away. Okay. Thank you, Kay, again. Uh, Laura has another question. Laura, you want to you share that? It's a great question. Yeah, it is. I was just reading that. Um, Leora asks, if we walk through life holding the idea that people don't need to be vulnerable around us because we can see them in song, does that shift things for humanity in general? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. When the more you, you know your own self, you know you, who you are, you know your song and you're identifying with your song, being your song, as you look at others, you're thinking of others, you're interacting with others, you can perceive their song. The more awake you are, the more you, you can perceive the songs of others. And you're, you're seeing their richness, their antiquity, the, the, the power that they are, all, all the love, the extraordinary diversity that they carry within themselves from their entire lifetime, their existence through the eons. And you, you, just, you see all of these beautiful details of, of who they are, what they are in this lifetime has to do with their purpose. And just the feeling, the signature feeling quality of who they are that identifies them. You feel it. And it's impossible to have expectations that they should be doing this or they should be doing that or uh, all these masky things. They just, they are who they are. They are what they are. And it's extraordinary and it's beautiful. When, when we have that kind of perceptive ability and we're seeing everybody that we come across and everything, you know, the trees and the rocks, and, and we, we perceive their song. We feel it. We experience it. We're touching it emotionally. We're, we're perceiving on many levels in all senses the other. And when it comes to humans and interacting this way, we're, we're reaching out with our song and we're touching theirs and we're perceiving theirs. And that, that, that touching, that's a, you know, that's, it's just, it's just beautiful. Instead of being out here and babbling away at each other and disconnected, there's real connectedness and real touching. 
even if that person is totally asleep and in you know living in mask land it touches them in such a deep and rich way and they feel seen like somebody really really sees them and still likes them and loves them and is giving love and and attention They probably never had that in their life before. You know, everybody means well. Your parents mean well, and the grandparents, and they, you know, they they mean well. They can only operate within the parameters that they were given, the the culture that they were taught. They don't know how to do anything outside that culture at that point. So. That's how we're all living in this modern culture. Nobody out there has the capacity, very, very few people, to really see you deep all the way inside and still totally accept you, unconditionally accept you and love you so when you get that, when you experience it, you're feeling it from somebody, it's, it's just so rich. It's so awesome. And even if your masks turn your attention away as fast as, as it can from that feeling, that experience from somebody who can actually see you, uh, it changes changes of that person that that um, is getting seen. We need more of that. And the more we have of that, the more love and peace we're going to have in the world. It literally escalates out. It's pebbles in the water, pebbles in the pond. They ripple out and they grow. That person will be a little different from then on and a little bit more awake they learn something about being awake and about what real authenticity is knowing knowing real self and having the, this capacity this ability for unconditional acceptance and unconditional love of everybody and everything just exactly as they are. With no judgments, no expectations that they're going to be something else, somebody else, they have to be this or that. Those things are from the asleep world, from the mask land. Wow. Thanks, Kay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this was the last question on the board. Um, I want to share something. This is an invitation to um, to another talk 
And this one is about um, how do awaken all these things that we talked about today and more. And this one is coming up, um, I think, next month. I don't even know the exact date, but I'm going to share this now. And um, you can you can take that link or click on that link and leave it open for later. Uh, because I guess we're closing out here if there isn't any more questions coming in. This was enormous. It was enormously beautiful. Wendy, thank you. Thanks for, for bringing this up. Okay, as always, absolutely amazing. Thank you, Laura, for helping make all this happen. Oh, this Very is awesome. Beautiful. Um, any other thoughts, anybody? Any questions? Last minute. And I hope you're all seeing that link and you can join us for that talk. That is another Katasa healing talk. And I think a very powerful one to awaken all these spirit gifts and energies. Yeah. And honestly, as, as more people are worried about being vulnerable in the and and about protection there's a lot of um training that i got on protection that really wasn't protection <laughs> and what i found is you know in, in our next conversation our next webinar about the earth fire serpent and life energies that was the most potent thing in learning how to protect myself in ways. Beautiful. <laughs> I agree. It <laughs> Plus it's just freaking awesome. <laughs> Any other thoughts, anybody? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Very be beautiful, beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helmut. Thanks. And Laura and Wendy. Thank and you. Beautiful issue, beautiful questions. Thank you all. Beautiful comments. And everybody listening out there, um, thank you all. Thank you all for being here and listening and taking it all in. All right. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining us live. This will be available for later because there's a lot of hot stuff in here and it'll be out there to access anytime. All right. Love you guys. Love you, everybody. We'll Love see you, you next everybody. Time. Thank you all. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>